Hello, human family. I'm Jocelyn, and I am grateful you're here. Welcome to the Starting with Gratitude podcast. This is a safe space intended to host heart-centered conversations exploring all topics of the human and spiritual experience. Every conversation starts with gratitude and remains rooted in gratitude. After you listen, make sure to join the community by subscribing and sharing. I am so happy you have joined us. Encrypt. Jocelyn. <laughs> What's up, dude? How's your spirit doing right now? My spirit's doing great. Um, my spirit is trying to heal, trying to sleep, trying to find that tranquility within amongst all this chaos that literally surrounds my everyday life. Mm -hmm. so there's a balance. I try to incorporate both into everything I do and try to, to make sure that I stay present. Mm -hmm. so that's how my spirit's going. It's it's going. <laughs> that's good, dude. Going is better than stagnant. 100%. Before we, we dive into this conversation, I want to ask you to share with us what it is that you feel grateful for. Oh, yeah, I wrote it down. You told me to do it. Okay. So I had three things I'm grateful for. I'm grateful for being able to open doors for people who look like me, mm. brown, uh, Latinas, you know, um, you know, come from like a broken home, someone who came from nothing, being able to give that inspiration to people who, who don't think it will ever be them. And, you know, give them hope that there is, we are one out of hundreds and we exist. I'm also grateful for those who surround me I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for them. And um, that goes back to like, you know, tell me who you are. Tell me who you kick it with and I'll tell you who you are. And um, I feel like a lot of my success, I wouldn't say I owe it to them, but they've inspired me and made me realize how significant my role in this life is. And um, always made sure that anything that they saw that was like, um, that I touched, was something different. They always made sure I acknowledged it and noticed like my strengths and weaknesses and and they're constantly like what keeps me afloat. Even when I feel like I'm losing myself, they remind me who I am. Um, so I wouldn't be anywhere right now if it wasn't for those who I surround myself with. And I feel like a lot of who I am revolves around family and friends and my chosen family who I've chosen to take this like ride with you know and that's them the last uh what i'm thinking what i'm grateful for is god for giving me strength and guidance if it wasn't for god i would have been in the wrong path a long time ago mm -hmm. and um, it sounds like super cheesy and religious i'm actually not religious at all but i'm very spiritual and um the person who i got i call god i kind of just created him in my head and it's the person that i'm um very attached to in regards to uh, anytime I feel like something's not right, I ask for guidance and in every types and forms of ways in my life, he showed me that he's there. So thank you, shout out to God, what's up God? <laughs> <laughs> me and God cool as fuck. Um, he showed me a bunch of great paths in life and has guided me when I've been the most lost. So mm -hmm. shout out to God, you know? Yeah, yeah, and I can relate to that too, dude. Like I've, I've had like, I don't know if weird is the word, but using the word God growing up just felt like very 
like religious and like not in alignment with what my spirituality is. So like, I'm just now starting to use the word God, but acknowledging that it's like, I'm, I'm perceiving it. I'm acknowledging it. I'm expressing it in my own unique way. It's not like, like that, but it's, you know, so I can relate to that. Correct. A hundred percent. And that's, that's how my, you know, growing up, my mom was Pentecostal um, Christian. So I grew up in like Christian churches. Um, and then my dad's Catholic. So I had a catechism. I, I had a baptism. I did all that. I had a quinceanera, you know? Um, so I always very, I was very conflicted with both because they define God differently mm. and how, um, and how we should like, you know, drive our life. And, um, and I felt like I never fit in, you know, being a bisexual woman, I never really fit in into any of those two categories. So being Catholic or being Christian, because neither of them were accepting of who I was. So I had to just kind of create my own path. But I knew that what I felt at church was real, or, you know, the presence was real. So I knew that it was something that I created in my own inside me that I knew he didn't judge me or didn't think that me being who I was was sinful you know and then I realized like oh I can create my own God I can talk to him and I know where I stand in life and if I'm a human good human being or not that's like nobody else's issue but mine so I feel like I I, I pretty much dictate who I am on my own terms in my own world in my own God in my own like you know and mm-hmm. that that's it and that's how I've been lately like uh experiencing life and everything I do you know like fuck everybody you know all I really cares about who I've created and who God accepts and if he's cool with it he'll let me know if he's not cool with it too I've seen that happen in my life where I'm like he's like what the fuck are you doing right here like you don't belong here what are you doing yeah and I know it's not where I'm supposed to be and I'm like but it's cool God just chill just for a little bit you know and so it's a it's an interesting you know way of seeing shit for sure yeah yeah do you feel like you ever had a season in your life where you didn't believe in anything at all I think when I was younger um my mom like I would say my mom's not religious anymore and that's like it has a whole story of its own but she was very involved in church like extremely involved Uh, my mom's considered like kind of like a a spirit guy um she would help people talk to like their loved ones and to God. And she used to be that lady at church who would pass out after prayer. And like, you know, so um, I grew up around that atmosphere, hardcore, where I would see like, I've even seen exorcisms. I like, I've seen some crazy stuff at church. And um, I knew that that's why I knew the supernatural was not fake. It was real. I seen it. I seen it in my mom. Um, my mom constantly battles demons like this is like some real shit she still talks to me about it all the time and um at one point I just I was tired of seeing my mom in pain I feel like she was constantly giving her all for church and for all for other people to be okay that you know I stopped wanting to go to church with her I'm like I'm tired of seeing you on the floor I'm tired of having to pick you up from the floor I'm tired of almost seeing you like you're seizuring. That's weird. I don't really like it. You know, like something, I don't like to see you in pain, but to her it was like me being in pain is curing others. Me being here and giving my all is going to help so-and-so. Like God wants me, this is my path, you know? And she used to get frustrated with me because I didn't want to go anymore. 
So at one point, I'm like, God, what are you doing to my mom? Like, what the fuck? Why is she like, this doesn't feel right anymore. Like, why are you doing that to her? So I lost faith. And I didn't at one point, I didn't even want to go to church anymore. I thought it was like just too much. It was a um, very spiritually invasive, emotionally invasive to my family and how I was affecting my mom. My mom has a lot of health issues. So like I knew that her like passing out wasn't normal. You know, that's loss of oxygen. Like I also went to college and you know what I mean? Like it was just a lot of uh, conflicting feelings. So then after a while, I was like, I don't know if it's God who's doing that. And I, I don't like it anymore. So, mm-hmm. you know, so when I was younger, like I even got into metal a lot. I was very confused. I didn't know what, you know, was going on. So I, I went to the dark side. Like I started listening to metal hardcore and um, I was very into that. My mom was so confused and I'm like, well, I'm just tired of seeing you. Like, I don't, I don't feel like church is somewhere like beautiful and gallant and like inspiring. Like you walk into a Catholic church, you feel kind of closed in. You feel like, you know, there's biblical art of people in pain and, and God bleeding. And it's just not a very like spiritual place where I can walk in and be like, I feel so at ease. No, I get, I cre- it creates anxiety at one point, you know? And I always kind of like was conflicted by that too. So I, I started looking for answers and listening to metal music. And why is there the other side of things? Like, what is this other side? And then, you know, knowing about how God used to be an angel. I mean, sorry, the devil was an angel at one point. And I started relating to that. Like, maybe that's my path. Maybe I need to be a, a devil to turn into an angel. And it was just like this weird, twisted, like, <laughs> narrative, like, I created in my own head. And so I did lose faith for a long time. But I feel like constantly I had situations in my life supernatural shit that happens that God is always like hey and I find myself always like looking for guidance and be like I'm sorry like was that like a test like I know maybe I should have never doubted you you know like shit like that but yeah my whole spiritual and like uh, religious side of my whole life is very crazy so I feel like uh, I'm at ease now you Mm -hmm. know at this age creating who I want to like you know check in with and um, me and him have been great even till now. Like I still talk to him and ask him for like, what the fuck do I do? Help me, like give me a sign. And he always gives me a sign and it's right in my face and it hurts. And then I'm just like, wow, this was the whole point, you know, of of all this. So yeah, yeah. It's, it's an interesting topic for sure. I didn't know. I didn't know all of that about you. That's <laughs> very interesting. I feel like yeah like growing up and experiencing that in your mom and it sounds like your mom was just very focused and 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 felt called to like just be of service to other people so I'm sure witnessing that I'd never seen that um but I think it's really beautiful when we kind of step away from spirituality and from God and from religion and then just kind of find our own way back because then we're developing a more personal relationship that like really fills us up and like makes us feel good and 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 speaks to us in a way that like actually inspires us and motivates us and like relates to us. So 100%. I feel like a lot of people can relate to that. Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty crazy. And the more I, I like you know people when I tell them like no I don't be- not that I don't believe in God but I don't believe in your God they get offended. Or they're like, because I feel like everyone creates their own version of God. 
and that's why they do the things they do and um I relate that a lot to like I started seeing that in you know people who who are extremely religious or extremist I would say are usually people who have lost path or lost sight of what they want in life so they look for guidance and that's what God is uh the Bible that's it's an instructional book so it makes you it makes life easier to know what you're living by every day, having someone tell you not to do what to do. It's easier to do that than having your own judgment on stuff. You know, so I feel like a lot of people, like even people who come out of jail, you know, people in jail, you know, they get lost and they find guidance and the, you know, the easiest, most reliable source there wouldn't be therapy, wouldn't be counseling. It's the Bible, you know, and, and I've like understood that in life, you know, and uh, so I don't judge even when I see extremists or when they try to put narratives on my head and make me feel subconscious of who I am I constantly go back to that like this is obviously a projection this is obviously you lacking something that you feel powerful by and now you feel like this is your duty you know and like I get it you know so that was my mom for a long time now she's chilling like she doesn't even go she hasn't been to church in like I think over eight years now so Mm, yeah, yeah so she has her own relationship experience you would interview (laughs) my mom dude my mom's she's so thin as you think i'm crazy my mom has (laughs) it would be really cool to like have like a series of just like having conversations with our moms right like everyone's just moms and just hearing their stories that would be cool but wasn't expecting to touch on that but i welcome it (laughs) I welcome it because it's all a part of the journey. Right. Um, but I, I, what I do want to expand on in this conversation is rooted in this tweet that you tweeted recently. And okay. it says, feel like giving up. Don't. It took me five years of sweat, tears, and hella coupons to get by. Now I'm finally savoring the fruits of my labor. So I want this conversation to be about like believing in yourself like listening to your calling, being passionate okay, and all of that. So do you feel like to start this off, do you feel like 2021 was like the year of you reaping the fruits, you like reaping the rewards of all your hard work? Yes. Uh, 2021 is by far the craziest year of my life. Uh, one of them. I've had several occasions and flips 360s that, I mean, 180s that I'm like, what the fuck? But um, 2021 is the most successful financially, emotionally, um, spiritually. Um, I'm finally, you know, people say that, you know, at your 30s where you hit your peak, I feel like I'm at the stardom of what I can intentionally become. I can finally um, feel comfortable being myself not feeling like I have to pretend to be somebody else in order to, you know, get where I'm at. And before I feel like I used to suppress a lot of like my silliness and like my thugness and me being kind of direct and I would kind of retract from being that because I didn't feel like people would accept that. And um, now I feel like I don't really give a fuck who doesn't want to hire me because I cuss or because I wear clothes the way I do or because I have a crazy upbringing, you know, or because I'm brown and tattooed. And I I think I finally reached that point where I don't care. I applied 
for any jobs. Now I'm comfortable enough to be in front of people who I used to be intimidated by, you know. So I feel like in general, I reached the point where there's no return in a good way. And the only way right now is up. Whereas before it was always shaky, like one year would be good and then the other would be really bad. For example, COVID was like really bad for me, but it was like so bad that it was the best thing that ever happened to me at the same time. Mm -hmm. I could definitely blame COVID for my success (laughs) in a a lot of ways. um, I feel like COVID, um, what happened was put everybody on like survival mode and super gear. I, at one point I had no jobs. All my gigs got canceled, rescheduled for like three, four months straight, had no work, absolutely no work. And um, I felt like I was drowning. I felt really like, I'm going to go back to work. I'm going to go find a full-time job. But what if I got COVID? It was a fear of COVID, fear of everything. But with that, I was able to sit down and really look at my life entirely and realize like I wasn't happy. I was just Mm -hmm. on like, cruise mode not cruise mode but I was just on like I was like on robot mode where I was just so comfortable doing things that were already easy for me like mm-hmm. you know not the bare minimum you know enough time for me to go and do things that I like which is great you know but I was doing it too much that I was comfortable with what I was getting what I was receiving what I was offering what I was being offered I would just take anything just because I needed the money it wasn't like even like I was passionate anymore and I was starting to lose sight of you know why I like doing this shit Mm. And, and I feel like what happened with COVID was like okay cool now I can do video I can do photos right now um it's impossible so what else what else am I good at what is something that I've been putting in the back burner that I need to address and that's when I thought about my clothing brand I'm like maybe I should really focus on that and literally every freaking dollar I had left I just said fuck it like if I go broke and then I found out about you know them saying like oh we'll pay your rent for free if you have you know whatever so I took advantage of that I was like all right we won't fucking pay rent for the next three months and I'm gonna put all this money into this clothing brand and let's see what happens and um with that and help of one of my friends I launched my my brand and that's what took off completely I created characters that I've never imagined would reach the levels that it has um and I wanted to make sure I stayed authentic and true to who I am 100% with this brand and then I knew I couldn't be a cop-out I knew being a photographer everyone's going to expect photos on shirts because anyone could just grab a photo and throw it on a shirt and call it a day and charge and put on a triple a and sign it for 25 bucks easy Mm -hmm. I didn't want that I wanted to create a legacy I wanted to create culture I wanted to create something that would shake everyone that wouldn't forget I'm not just trying to make a quick shirt you know and um that's what Inscribe came about um Inscribe was dormant for like about two years I would release stuff here and there but it wasn't really a full-on brand so I said okay I'm gonna I'm gonna launch this and I started with the Barrio Unido shirts um El Barrio Unido Jamás Era Vencido which is a play on the on the you know legendary quotes back in you know Argentina used to use it during war Mexico City still uses it to empower people who are going through a but like a genocide or whatever to stay united but I give it a twist in Barrio mm-hmm. with, which is Pueblo uh, initially. Um, and then with that shirt, it kind of gave a lot of power to people who were going through a lot of shit. Um, we had, you know, the marches and George Floyd and a lot of the, a lot of people started being at home and realizing how fucked up the government is. And that's what happened is like people sat at home 
and thought about their whole fucking life because mm-hmm. they had no choice. Mm-hmm. And that's why people were out, you know, like, what about this? And what about that? Like now they started realizing how politics and government is affecting our lifestyle, mm-hmm. you know, and, and around that time, I feel like it helped empower people to stay together. And then after that, I was like, okay, I'm going to create a cool, like a character that would really make an impact in Chicano culture. And that's when I came up with Cholotron. So then Cholotron is a 1964 Impala that turned into a transformer. And then with that drop, I wanted to do Brown Love as well, which I did on both characters around the same time, but dropped them different. And Brown Love is a story of Isa and Popo, uh, Popo Patepec. And it's a story, myth story from Mexico City about a, a warrior and a princess who fell in love. The emperor wasn't cool with it, but said you could marry her if you go off to war and come back victorious. But knowing that he was going out to war, he thought he knew he was going to die. So he told his daughter that he died and she died of grief. So uh, and then he later on died with her trying to find a burial spot for her. And he died of grief as well. And that's like the romantic story about it. But I turned him into Transformers as well. And um, uh, that image actually went viral. It did a lot of numbers. um, And I even got to um, HBO's The Hype, which is a a streetwear competition show and Cholotron made it to uh, the hype. Um, Brown Love made it to the hype. Uh, Barrio Unido made it to the hype. And all my images from the clothing brand and the drops from those months are the set, like the set decor for the entire show. So if you're watching the show, any photo that you see like plastered onto the wall, that's mine. Um, even th- this one, you can see it. So I got to keep the one of me. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I put them all over my apartment. And then this is the other one. Mm-hmm. But they were huge sized uh, images. And then that that kind of took off. And I, I was so mind blown by it, um, seeing my stuff on TV. And after that, like everything just started kind of, it was like an uh, avalanche of shit. You know, I got my first Netflix gig. Um, I got my first commercial this year as well with Estrella Jalisco. So I went with Narcos Mexico Netflix and then I did Estrella Jalisco. And that was a commercial I directed. Uh, it was the craziest thing I've ever done in my life. I literally sat inside the, the porter potties and like cried. I was like, <laughs> no one can see me doing this. And I was not only crying of like stress, I was crying of like, what the fuck am I doing here right now? Mm-hmm. You know, I was directing 200 people. Like, you know, and it was like little me from Highland Park. I couldn't believe it. It was it was insane. And after that, a lot of my, my work started getting around. And the interesting part was that a lot of it, I felt like it was the right moment for us brown folks to be in the front lines, you know, especially with as biases is gonna sound, I felt like for a long time that it was our time to shine and we had to take advantage of it because of everything that was going on in the mm-hmm. world. Mm-hmm. Uh, people like a lot of uh, companies started recognizing they didn't have enough brown and black folks representing them mm-hmm. yet they were you know savoring our culture and like implementing and everything to do but then white folks were telling those stories and people were finally like I said sitting down at home pissed like what about film why isn't there enough brown filmmakers? Why isn't there enough brown representation? Why aren't black people telling black stories? Why are white people telling our stories? You know, and I started realizing that that was a great opportunity for me to jump in and just start shopping myself. Cause I'm like, I am a brown director. 
Um, I am from the hood. Um, I am everything that they should be representing right now. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, first generation, you know, Mexican American. I'm actually very college educated. I'm not an idiot. So I was like, this is it right here. Like, I am the, I am the <laughs> You <recipe."> need me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I knew that. I knew that people needed me. And um, like they said, the smartest thing in marketing is like knowing where, you know, the lack of, of uh, you know, product is and fulfill it. It's easy. It's a simple formula. Find what's the gap and fill it. And if you can fill that gap that people are lacking or the consumerism is consumerism world is lacking, then you fulfill it and you win. So I knew already, like, I need to take advantage of this shit ASAP. So I'm not shy at all. I started just DMing a bunch of people. Hey, check it out. Check out my stuff. Check it out. I'm here for black and brown folks. I'm here representing Raza. I'm here, like, representing women. Da-da-da-da-da-da. You need a woman. I'm LBGTQ. <laughs> I'm Mexican-American. You know what I mean? So uh -huh. that's what started happening. People are like, oh, we actually do need a brown person on set today because mm -hmm. or else everyone's going to be pissed, you know? So then I started jumping into a lot of commercial shoots where I was just BTS. I was just photo. I was just doing little jobs. Mm -hmm. And then from there, I would get the name of the director. There, I would get the name of the producer. Then I landed my, my, my first Facebook gig too through that, doing that. Like, as soon as I would get off set, I'll get the Kashi email shit out of people like, hey, it was great working with you. Hi, so check out my work. I'm this Chicana, da, 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 you know, and then they would remember, you know, and then I felt like my name going by Encrypt, the branding on its own kind of took off as well. Mm -hmm. people, people will remember Encrypt 10 times faster than they were my, my real name. Yeah. 100%. So I started finding that very... Um, like useful. So after a while, I completely eliminated. I told myself I'm not introducing myself to anyone by Rocio anymore. So I like literally let Rocio die. I was like, no. So I started getting published. And around at the same time, I got published by Apple TV. Shout out to Apple TV uh, with a book called Little America. A bunch of my photographs are on there. Shout out to Emily Berkey. She's the one who got me onto that job. Mm -hmm. And um, after that, I started realizing like, okay, cool, I'm getting a buzz. I'm getting in, I'm touching the right markets. Now I just need to go harder. And I went harder on like uh, PRing myself, pitching myself, networking my ass off. I started learning a lot of uh, reading about how to interact with people, how to like socialize, how to like everything. I got went in. I was like, how the fuck am I going to make this shit work? And um, shout out to one of my, my, my friend's dad. He gave me a crazy secret that's been literally, I can blame that secret as part of my success right now. Mm -hmm. It's not just doing, this is what people don't understand. It's not just the photos. It's just not the videos. It's what happens behind the photos and the videos and like following up and, and how you interact with others on set and how people see you and if they're comfortable even working with you. So I learned that there's so much more, like no one gives a fuck if you're dope. If they don't like you, they're not going to hire you again. And mm -hmm. that's, that's fucking facts. Mm -hmm. So I knew for a fact, like, I'm already a great ass person. So I got that on, on lock. Like I'm good. Like I'm good. With, <laughs> I'm really people like, you know, I love people. So like, I'm like, I know I got that, but now I need to figure out how to go in further. And, and I'll tell you guys a secret. So if you guys are listening to Jocelyn's podcast, you're about to get in on some fucking crazy secrets. So shout out to Sixto Caceres. He's the one who told me the secret. So homie, every time we go anywhere, 
he knows like he ends up leaving with everyone's number he ends up own, like like knowing the name of the owner he like is cool with everyone taking shots and i'm like how, how is this guy so likable everyone we take him like everyone loves him uh -huh. so i told him what's your secret just messing around one day like what the fuck is your secret like like everyone fucking loves you he's like all right i'm about to tell you my secret you ready and i was like okay cool <laughs> he said every time you meet somebody you look at something that they're wearing and 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 every time they introduce themselves you repeat their name to them and then write it down on your notes on your on your phone so you'll put like blue hat so and so jake you know and then at the end of the day your goal is to at least say their name three times while you're around them you know and then i started catching out I'm like okay cool all right and he's like and there's a lot to that not only that you're subconsciously thinking you're doing it to network but then it becomes an organic thing because now they respect you because they're noticed now they respect you because you remember their name and if somebody has a complicated name make sure you even say it even more times or ask do you go by a nickname you know what i mean or whatever it is and then i was like is it that easy he's like i swear it's gonna change your fucking life and i started doing it in legit like <laughs> it was like the craziest thing and i'm i'm out here getting free french fries like <laughs> through what's up you know i'm at i asked the waiters for their name i asked the girl at the front desk who's like checking me into the hotel her name i asked everyone their name mm -hmm. and then now it's become something kind of second nature that i don't even think about it i genuinely want to know their name mm -hmm. And it's like, it's become kind of a magnetic thing where I walk by them and they're like, oh, hey, what's up? I'm like, remember me? And they're like, yeah, hey, what's good? And I'm like their best friend, you know, just because I remember their name. Mm -hmm. And like the importance of being validated and being acknowledged and seen is so important in business mm -hmm. that we forget that. Everybody just wants to be the best and be good at something. But like, hell no, there's a whole other whole other trail that goes behind you mm -hmm. and I've seen people in the industry that I work with that are like really kind of standoffish kind of rude and shit like that and I always wonder like you're not gonna you're not gonna make it and in my head I always say like you're not gonna make it you can be dope all you want but you're not gonna make it out here with that attitude like there's no way mm -hmm. and um and I've been right many times there's a lot of people I started with who are not shooting anymore who I don't see them working anymore and it's not because they're not amazing, they're amazing, but it's just they couldn't sustain what comes with everything else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I love that you often like emphasize like the importance of just like being a good person. And it's so true that like at like at the end of the day, all of us. <laughs> just want to be acknowledged we want to feel seen and understood and so when you intentionally do that like you are already meeting people there in that like innate instinctual desire that we all have and it really does contribute to your success but you have always been to me someone who's been like very personable um and like friendly and just someone that you want to be around so i'm not surprised that you know that that's like second nature for you but that is a great you know for people who like you know want to work on their interpersonal skills 
That definitely is a great secret. And that's something that I should probably be more intentional about too, because even though I consider myself to be very personable, I definitely forget people's names. You need to take it up a notch. <laughs> that's all it is. It's just taking it like being more like, okay, boom. You know, and I, and I hate when I used to feel like would be around somebody for hours, especially because I'm on sets that I first meet people for the first time ever all the time. Mm-hmm. And then I remember the awkwardness of being able to be like, <laughs> you know, like, like, you know, and I, I remember the feeling of like, I don't know where her name is. Like, you don't even, you feel so uncomfortable asking and then it just gets weird and then they get weird with you. Then just being like, hey, Angie, hey, what's up? You know, even if I had yeah, to look yeah, at my phone yeah. real quick, oh, what's she wearing? Oh, that's Anna. That's Nancy. You know, mm-hmm. like, and it just makes it so much smoother, smoother. There's less awkwardness. You get what you want. Now you feel like you have a personal relationship with them and you could just come up and ask them. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and I, I just did it with the security guard. His name is Steve. <laughs> Steve from the, from the Microsoft Theater. And I seen him our, previously the week before. I seen him at the YouTube Theater. And he was the main guy of security. This was for Nodal, because I shot with Nodal in Heramex. Mm-hmm. And uh, and he was there at the second show. And I was like, Steve! And he was so fucking happy to see me. He, like, spinned me. And he's like, I got you. He told all the securities, her, you don't tell her nothing. She's good. And usually they only give you three songs to shoot. I was able to be there the whole night. like. Mm. And then I was like, that's a plug. That didn't even need the main guy of, like, the venue to even ask yeah like you know like you would think and i was like oh that was so cool everybody's like how do you know him yeah the last show he's like the last show you guys look like you've known each other forever i'm like exactly that's the secret like you know yeah yeah the details matter the details matter you mentioned that this year has been success like your most successful not only just professionally but also like spiritually and emotionally what makes you say it's been your most successful emotionally and spiritually as well? Because I had the worst year of my life the year prior. That's yeah. why. I had like the worst, uh, worst ever. Um, I was very lost. I was very unhappy. I was sad. I lost so much weight because I was so depressed. Um, I was in a really dark place. Um really 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 dark place so to see the transition and i was like struggling financially so i'm literally the opposite right now so that i can compare to is because of last year and um all the all the broke like i said all the coupons like i still coupon by the way (laughs) y'all i don't care how fucking rich i become because i'm not rich yet but i don't care how rich i become i will always pull out the groupons i will always pull out the coupons i'll always ask for an employee discount and say, hey, you're my cousin, right? <laughs> you know, like I, I will still do all that shit. But I remember feeling like I couldn't afford anything, you know, and the only way I was able to like get by was like literally on people's DMs asking them if they wanted photo shoots. And I was I used to bug people and like try to figure out any way to make money. Dude, I used to clean houses like not even two years ago. I was cleaning, scrubbing toilets. You know, every day I was working for Tidy, which is like this stupid uh, cleaning service here in LA. And I'm a college graduate, dude. Like, 
well, degree, like I have a computer science major, like how the fuck am I cleaning toilets, you know? And I knew that I had to go through those um, struggles in order to feel like this is gonna just be temporary and I indulge in that and not put myself down. And um, I feel like a lot of people do that to themselves. That's why I've met people who are like, oh, I have no work. What do you suggest? Like, what is extra income that a freelancer can make? Um, mm-hmm. I always tell them, do those stupid, uh, what is it called? Those um, those paid, what is it called? The research program, the research companies that you do like questionnaires for and they, you know, do those, clean houses, the and they're like, clean houses (laughs) I would never clean house and I'm like okay well the mentality of servitude the mentality of being under somebody that's all mental thing you know we started triggering ourselves like I would never do that that's degrading that's Mm -hmm. humiliating Mm -hmm. that's like and to me that's so American yeah fucked up that we see it that way to Mm -hmm. me it was like I know this shit's temporary like yeah I gotta scrub a bunch of toilets today but I made like 250 bucks. The fuck did you do? You know, like, and I got tipped and I got to drink all their water and soda from their fridge and they fed me. And, you know, one of my good customers, shout out to Keith. I love him. I met him through like an app and shit. And then I ended up being like, you know, really good friends with him. And he would leave me beers on the table and be like, enjoy yourself. And after, mm-hmm. after I would clean his house, we would chill and talk about shit. And like, that was the coolest like feeling of having somebody so close to me that I'm doing something of servitude and them treat me like I'm just this regular person helping them out, you know, and I started seeing just like the difference in it and people would be shocked. Like, what do you, how do you like, how did you get through like being a freelancer, cleaning houses, you know, and I legit did it and humbly and I never put myself down when I would walk in, I would look straight at them in the eyes, make sure that they knew that I wasn't humiliated either. Like, mm-hmm. I'm here to do what I'm supposed to do. Thank you. Bye. You know, I never held myself like, this is going to be my life ambition. I can't believe I left my IT job to clean toilets. Like, it wasn't, I didn't, <laughs> you know, I didn't pity myself that way. I just knew, like, I had to grind. This is good money. I do it four times a week. I have three days to, like, focus on photography and video. And I make, like, 200 bucks, 250 a day. That's good. Like, to me, it wasn't a... It was temporary. And I told myself until I'm able to sustain myself and be able to replace that income that I was making cleaning is the only time I'm going to stop cleaning. And shout out to Keith because he was my last customer. I haven't cleaned a house in two years. Like, mm-hmm. all, you know, mm-hmm. and now I clean my own house and like I'm really, <laughs> I'm really, really good at it. Like, <laughs> don't pay me. Like, my house is clean as fuck, you know, but that's, that's, that's the, that's the way we need to. Pro- reprogram our brain you know in order to hustle and be on survival mode and I feel like a lot of people uh victimize themselves and self-pity and then they start creating all these stories in their head of how they're not worthy and they start thinking about what if what is Maria gonna say what is Jose gonna say like mm-hmm. who gives a fuck about Maria and Jose like <laughs> they're gonna forget tomorrow you're gonna be the cheese mail of tonight and then they're gonna forget we have such short attention spans in this world that people constantly like kill themselves over one thing that they did. Mm-hmm. Like we're not all fucking perfect, you know? Mm-hmm. And the more we dwell in Maria, the longer that it's gonna stretch out. Maria's not gonna remember tomorrow. Like, why do you think we don't even care about what Kim Kardashian did last week? 
And because now there's a new tabloid. Yeah. I forgot how much of a bitch she was on Twitter two weeks ago. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and the more that we stay stuck in that, what are they going to think? What are they think? The lower the processes of like being able to be successful and see the full picture as it is, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's, that's another life hack. Like you put yourself in this prison and no one, and, and at the end of the day, no one really cares. Everybody just wants something to gossip about and forget. And like next you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really is so important to remind yourself, like, if you're in a situation that's not ideal for you, you have to remind yourself that it's temporary and like not attach yourself to it. It's like, I'm just doing this because I need to get this done right now. But I know that this is what I'm working towards. You know, this is this is going to be my reality. This is just what I need to take care of right now. Correct. And I think that you're right. Like a lot of people will, you know, contribute to like their own suffering because they think that like, you know, they, they cultivate all this shame and all this guilt for this like thing that it doesn't have to last forever. If you don't, if you really don't want it to, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. and you're right. Like we do also care so much about, you know, what other people think. But also, everyone's got their own thing going on. <laughs> no one's about you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what would you say, you know, I feel like a lot of us can relate to the, you know, 2020 having been like a wild year on all on all aspects of our lives. And we really did have to like sit back and just confront the truths of the world and also the truths of ourselves and our own lives. What are like the biggest lessons that you took away professionally, spiritually, and emotionally? Spiritually that I feel like I was so out of touch spiritually with myself. I forgot what I wanted. I forgot what the, what the, what the big picture was. Because we can have short-term and long-term goals, but we never really think of the whole picture. Like, okay, what ends up happening is like um, instant gratification happens once we reach a goal. And then we're like, now what? Then we feel unfulfilled again. But once you have like a set legacy, like a set overall, like those little wins become kind of a, a contribution to that, like almost like stairs, rather than feeling like, okay, now what? You know, and I feel like a lot of people experience that in life where they feel content and like they feel settled and they feel comfortable and they're too scared to keep rising up and that's that that escalator. So they do a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. They push it all out and then they die out. And then they go dormant again. And then they build it and then they die out again. And that's like a, a thing that I think I was doing for a long time. Even now, I try to check myself every time I do feel some type of way. Like when I finish a project, I'm very happy, but then I feel the downs right away. Like, okay, what's next? And uh, that was okay. I stopped, you know, I started self-sabotaging it. Like, and instead of doing that, I feel like now I'm more open to being able to let go. And not every day is a celebration. And I feel like I was being untouched out of that too. I started celebrating everything too much, too fast that that was where the lows and highs were coming from. That I felt like if I didn't celebrate something, it didn't happen, you know? And um, and I was like, okay, like things could keep going and I don't need to like literally 
have a party every time I finish a project <laughs> or I have to like go get really drunk every time like you know something's completed so I've learned to like pick and choose when I want to feel good and like not 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 so much feel good but indulge in other shit that doesn't really have to tie into my success you know I need to keep going like cool that was dope yay we did it what's next oh I'm gonna feel as good as I did when I did this you know and even if it's a smaller project I'm still gonna feel it's equally as important as I did a Nike shot a Nike shoot or like not just picking and choosing what I feel successful from mm-hmm. and like you know I would do small things and wouldn't think anything of them you know I'll be like, oh because it's not really gonna get me out there or it's not gonna get me a lot of views but now I'm like I treat everything exactly like how it should be and really be in the moment and I think about like oh is this better am I topping myself no every time I do a project even if it's not big if it's not for freaking adidas if it's not da, 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 I know that I'm like this is getting me to the next level of where I want to be mm-hmm. and everything has a purpose and yeah. why we play chess and why we do things have a purpose we might not know now but eventually it starts blossoming and you're like oh that's what I seeded mm-hmm. crazy and I didn't even see it until now yeah yeah and- I see what you mean like like you like going hardcore and like celebrating this like big win over here and then if you accomplish something else and it doesn't match that thing then you would you started create like oscillating these like super high highs super low lows and now you're like approaching every accomplishment with the same appreciation the same gratitude and like not having such like bipolar responses to your work exactly and then I feel like we tend to do that subconsciously because that's what we've been programmed by, you know? And that's what we expect, even like from fans, like what people post, you expect, like I already know what posts are gonna do well on my page. I already know. I already know if I post this, it's gonna go crazy. I already know that no one's gonna fuck with this, but I'm still gonna post it. I don't care. Like, you know, that's not my, I don't give a fuck with anyone thinks at this point. You know, the algorithm could suck it. I don't care, I'm gonna put it out. And I'm going to like it as much as I'm going to put out the other stuff that I know is going to get a lot of likes. Mm-hmm. So just continuing, like being able to detach yourself from it. And then sometimes like I find myself too, like, like feeling some type of way. And then I check myself and then I'm like, oh, no, 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 that's not real. That's just, you know, you're on someone's mood board. You know, I recently was told that some of our stuff that we worked on got on Calvin Klein's mood board and I was losing my shit. <laughs> you know and I was like I don't even care that they didn't hit me up but I'm on Calvin Klein's mood board you feel me and like that I remember that project didn't even get a lot of love on my Instagram but yet it's like Calvin's mood board mm-hmm. you feel me yeah. so then I just realized like yeah people might not be watching might not be liking might not be commenting but someone's sharing someone's saving someone's they're keeping you for later they're gonna think about you they're gonna look back at their archive and remember you like, you know, and that's, that should be the goal. Yeah. Know, yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that being more intentional about like really respecting all of your work, regardless of the external response and regardless of, you know, the size of it, like all of it is worthy of your own love and appreciation. Yeah. I love that you having experienced like such a low low with 2020 and then like this super successful year this year 
I feel like when you do experience a lot of success like that, it's an adjustment. Do you feel like your success has been an adjustment? Uh, no and yes. Uh, no, because I've been here before. So prior to me going freelance as a photographer, I worked in IT for 10 years. So I actually made pretty good money. I worked, uh, I worked at a pretty big entertainment company and I worked my way up. I had my own team. So I was, I was pretty financially stable. Um, so I knew what it was to have money. I know how to con- like use money. I've been here before and I've also been homeless too when I was younger. So I already know the ups and downs of life. So being here again is like, it's not really a new feeling. Now, if anything, I'm more, um, I'm more intentional with my money. Now I'm investing that shit that I never did before. Uh, I would just spend it. Now I know the difference between spending and investing. Um, there's a lot of things that I learned from back then that I that were mistakes, but now I'm able to approach, like not letting um, the money get to your head, not letting fame get to your head. I have friends who are all rappers, you know, so I learned from them those things too that you don't let any of that get to your head because we're still human. You lose it all tomorrow, literally, you know, and I've lost it all and I've had it all. So I don't really feel like financially it was an adjustment but it was more like a watching who you surround yourself with and now people are coming at you with different mm-hmm. intentions mm-hmm. so that's been like I think the only new challenge that you know sometimes I do acknowledge when people are just trying to be my friend and I've talked about this on my Instagram too like I have like a six-month rule with people now like I have I've been living by that for like past four years anyone that I you know, newly befriend acquaint or even date like I always give myself a six-month period that I don't verbally express but it's something that's like very silent you know but I, I I sit down and I observe and I look and I see what they post and I see their tweets and and I start kind of is this someone I want to keep around you know um whether I'm working with them currently or acquainting with them currently is still something that's always in the back of my head because I've had like instances even recently where people are not who I thought they were and usually around six months is when you start really knowing somebody for real. And I feel like around that time, they already understand who you are as a person and they know how to talk to you. Just how we all subconsciously do it. Like you don't talk to me the same way you would talk to your homegirl. You wouldn't talk to me the same way you talk to your partner. You, we, we kind of pick and choose how we communicate based on love language and how we understand love language and how we're able to incorporate that into the way we communicate with them. So it's like same thing with everything. You know what I mean? Learning that about yourself, learning that about like how how to maneuver life, how to maneuver people who start magnetizing towards you because success does that. It starts like intriguing people and they want to be on the same team as you because they see you succeeding. So I've also had instances where I realized like, people are taking advantage of my network or are just simply being really nice to me because they want something out of me, you know? And that's been a new uh, challenge where as before I wasn't the star, I was the one behind the scenes. And now I'm starting to get, I'm the star now. And I see how people switched up their attitudes or people who I used to want to work with now want to work with me and like shit like that, which is completely valid. I had to earn my stripes, you know, and I understand that and I had to earn it. But then you start seeing who was genuinely there from the start and who actually wished on your downfall. But at the same time, we're smiling right in front of you. So 
with that being said, that's been my biggest uh, change, maybe not in lifestyle, because I feel great. I live in a fucking sick ass penthouse in downtown now. Like it's it's way chiller and doper than when I was working, you know, in IT, but I'm able to embrace it and appreciate it a lot more. Mm-hmm. And I'm not I'm not a kid anymore. I'm not stupid. Like I know what I'm doing with my money. I know who, who I'm like surrounding myself with and making sure I watch out for people. Mm-hmm. because uh, this will attract the right and wrong people you know and what I have been witnessing now more is that more people are coming in and out of my life mm. you know I'm like I'm hiring new people now I'm like you know I'm a boss now you know I'm paying people's bills so it, it like you start kind of like getting that responsibility too like now now it's not only me now now it's my team mm-hmm. now it's not just about how I'm fitting today it's how it's my employee feeling today because if they don't feel good they can't produce good work for me and I just realized like it's like wow like now I feel more responsible for me for my business and now I feel like I have to give more and more and more and more and and I have to just watch how much I give you know period so yeah that's been my biggest thing now just recognizing real uh, understanding intentions because there's nothing wrong with giving receive either you know um I've always talked about you know relationships being a give or take but there's nothing wrong with giving if you don't find like you can get something out of somebody that's gonna alter your life then why are you even friends with them you know and that was a you know so there's always a there's a thin line like yeah please ask of me if I love you let me help you Mm -hmm. You and then there's the same thing not knowing somebody and then wanting so much from you and you giving and them sucking you dry and just running with it, mm-hmm. so, you know. So it's it's a it's a thin line. It's a it's a thin line there, and I and I've always told my friend like if you you can only give so much, because you'll start feeling like shit giving so much when you don't feel reciprocation, mm-hmm. and um that's where resentment starts happening. That's how mm-hmm. people start talking shit around about each other behind their back, but yet are right in front of one another, mm-hmm. you know. So. That's been my biggest, I think, struggle. And at the same time, you know, uh, enlightened moment where I'm like, oh, cool. This is weird. Hmm. You know, um, I'm getting different kind of attention now, you know, and I need to notice if it's real or not. Like, you can't be my best friend after two weeks. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's yeah. Red, I'm sure you've experienced that when you meet somebody and they're like, oh my God, girl, you're so great. I want to be your best friend. Oh my God, we should go out. We should go like that. And you're like, whoa, I just met you. You know, and they chill. Why? Why do you want so much from me? Like, mm-hmm. I, I just met you, you know, mm-hmm. like, and that's when I start kind of, you know, and, and it feels good in those honeymoon stages where people are there. And then they leave and it's just a heartbreak. You know, the way the way I was talking about it, my, my, I'm very emotional. You know, I'm a, I'm a Pisces. Mm-hmm. So, every, so every person that comes in, in and out of my life, I mourn them. Like, it's like a breakup. Like, mm-hmm. oh, wow. Like, I'm not going to see you again. Mm-hmm. Or I'm not going to ever treat you the same way as I used to. Mm-hmm. Boom. And then that keeps happening. The more, the more I'm in the industry, the more people I work with, the more people I interact with, the more people I meet, the more people I photograph. Like the the cycle of people who are coming in and out of my life are like very frequent. Mm-hmm. You know? So it's it's a it's a interesting like emotional thing, and, and I'm just very blessed that I'm able to like analyze shit like this. Because if I wasn't, I would be hella confused and guarded. And that's why you see people who are like super to themselves. They're like serious. They don't talk to anybody. 
because they've been hurt. <laughs> I, yeah. I never take offense to those people, though. Like, don't get me wrong, where like very standoffish. Oh, hey, how you doing? They shake your hand all rough. They kind of observe you like there's nothing wrong with that. You know, you're there. Clearly some shit went down that that's why they, they're like that. Mm-hmm. And I'm more like, OK, let me let me learn your love language and I won't be as ah, like I, I can start seeing, you know, and and I don't blame them, you know, like I could be like that if I wanted to as well. But I just don't feel like it would work for me. I'm yeah. too like, I'm too like, I love people. Ah. <laughs> Everybody yeah. starts at a hundred with me and then you fuck it up. <laughs> you know, like that's, that's my thing. Everyone's at a hundred with me always. Mm-hmm. And if they manage to fuck up that percentage, then they just kind of st- start slowly declining. And then I don't fuck with you anymore. You yeah. Wanna- yeah. It's interesting because some people have that approach of like, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to come in trusting you. Yep. But then, you know, it's on you you know, depending on how we progress and, you know, the relationship, then I'll see if you can actually uphold that trust. And other people are like, I'm not going to trust you. You have to earn my trust. Yep. So it's interesting, like to see how like different people like approach that when it comes to trust. It's like either they trust, they, they give, they gift you their trust off the bat yep. or you have to like earn it. And I'm, I'm the same as you, like, I'll give someone like, I trust you, you know, like you haven't given me a reason to not trust you. But then once you do, then that's going to change, obviously. (laughs) Exactly. You, there's a few things that I wanted to bring up with what you talked about right now. And one is uh, the six month thing. It's interesting because when I reflect back on like my relationships, like my romantic relationships specifically, I've noticed that it's always like after the six months where they switch up or like when things like change and I'm like, what is it about six months? Like (laughs) that people like, you know, show their true colors. Six months. Um, I feel like they, they learn your strengths and your vulnerabilities in six months. And that's what it is. And I think it's enough time to learn love language and to get to know somebody and their triggers. And you start learning like what they like, what they don't like. Um, then you start kind of projecting because now you know a lot about them. You know, so I feel like that's why it's like a six month thing. Cause the first three months are always honeymoon stage, you mm-hmm. know, with anybody, not even romantic, like mm-hmm. you meet somebody and they're like, they're so great. Oh my God. I love them. <laughs> and, and I'm the type, I'm that person that I'm like, Oh, I love them so much. And I find myself always saying, but I, I love them. They're so great. And then like six months in, I'm like, Oh, <laughs> you know me too well. Like now you're like kind of fucking with me and like, you know, and, pushing things that you know hurt and like you know doing things that if they don't really are at your convenience anymore you just toss and like you just start seeing that you know Mm -hmm. but yeah six months is a good ass number I think Mm -hmm. I it's like eight months now you're just like what are you what is this what the fuck are you doing do you even want to teeter-totter or like but six months is like solid Mm-hmm. Is this person a good person? You can tell if someone has really bad eating habits by then. You can tell if somebody has bad sleeping habits. You know, so much about that person that I feel like you can use it and weaponize it as you please. You mm-hmm. Know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, there's also like only so long that someone can go without being their true self. 
you know, I feel like when we first meet somebody, we like put this mask of like, you know, cause we want to impress the person. We want to like keep that person in our lives, but like when those six months come around, it's like all of a sudden it's like the mask disappears and <laughs> they become their true selves. And yeah. it's because the truth always comes out, you know? So I agree with that. And I find that very interesting because I've made the same observation. So now moving forward, like, I'm like, let's wait till the six months and see it. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I usually don't voice it unless like, they like, I say I'm dating somebody and they're like, oh yeah, I'm like, why? Oh, yeah, no, but I want to, you know, get to know you. And, and, and I will be very expressive. Like I do the six month thing where I get to know somebody. And then like a lot of people take it offensively. Or they'll take it like kind of like, what do you mean? And then and then once they go through it, then they're like, oh shit, like I, it makes sense now. And then you start seeing things like, how the fuck can somebody like when I see like couples move in like a month or two in, that's alarming to me. Or like, or they or they just met and now they're in a relationship like a month later. To me, those are super red flags because you genuinely don't know that person. And living with somebody is completely different, like, mm -hmm. you know, and um, or being in a relationship is completely different. And I feel like most of those relationships that I have heard always end up ending really quick because they're like, wait, I didn't know you were like this. Like, what the fuck? Like, I didn't know this person was like grumpy in the mornings. I didn't know this person didn't flush the toilet. I didn't know, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> shit like that. Then you're just like, what the fuck? That's not what I signed up for, you know, and. Yeah. And, it, and it's it's interesting. So now, like, now I could never, ever stay, see myself jumping into something without really meaning it, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's because we're in a society of, like, instant gratification. You know, we want things so fast. And that doesn't only apply in relationships, but in work, in everything. We want things done so fast, you know? And we, we fall in love with the idea of things. And then we go after them. But great things really do take time. And that's like with relationships, with opportunities, with jobs, with our career, with our spirituality, with our relationship with ourselves, like everything takes time. The other thing that I wanted to bring up when you were talking about like how you have to be mindful when it comes to relationships too, of like just like how much you're giving of yourself to another person, making sure that they're like not depleting you something you were touching on that. I was thinking about your mom and I was like, I feel like that there's like a mirror reflection there of like, you know, your mom always like being of service and giving of herself and giving of herself and like not receiving. Yeah. And that's what happened to her. I, I feel like a lot of it attributes to seeing my mom struggle Mm -hmm. um, she's a single mom, um, raised both me and my sister. She left my dad through a domestic violent, you know, like situation. Um, I went through therapy a long, like for a lot of years. Uh, I was abused by my dad. Um, so I went through a bunch of shit where I knew like, I loved my fucking dad when I was a kid. Like I loved him. And to see him destroy my childhood the way mm -hmm. he did, mm -hmm. it was like, kind of like, what the fuck? I, and I, as a kid, I used to always say, but I used to love him so much. Why is he mean to me? Like, mm. you know? And it, it's kind of deep and shit and dark. But like, and and I remember always thinking, like, am I not loving him any, enough? Why does he hurt me? You know, mm. like, and then seeing my mom go through it as well with our, her relationships growing up. Unfortunately, she's had like a lot of abusive relationships after my dad as well. 
that I seen her go through. And um, I would just see her give and give and give. And these dudes would just stay at the crib and not do anything and just fucking watch soccer while my mom's busting her ass, you know? And 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 I would see that and um, I didn't want to be that ever. Like I never wanted to feel like I wanted to give, give, give. And in, in, in a bad way, I kind of got conditioned to doing that with my earlier relationships when I was a kid, when I didn't fully understand the pattern. Um, but I used to do that. I had the the need to fix people. You know, I'm not only that, I'm an IT, I'm an IT professional. So what I do for a living is fix shit. Mm-hmm. And I realized like I used to like broken people. I got, you know, off on fixing people and making their lives better. And like, and I constantly did that with a lot of my relationships where I felt like here I am again giving, 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 fixing, 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 and I wouldn't get nothing in return. Mm-hmm. And um, so now I'm more subconscious with that and like seeing my mom go through it and then me experiencing it. And not only that, but not- noticing that I was doing the same shit my mom was doing was kind of scary. Mm-hmm. And that shit lives on. And when people always talk about like uh, your parents' past traumas and what the, you went through usually repeat within. And um, I never believed it until like I started going through it. And I was like, oh shit, I'm becoming my mom. Even though I said I, I would never do this, you know, we're just so programmed that way. And um, yeah, so it's it's basically that, like learning how much to give, knowing what is going to be given back or if there is even worth giving so much. Mm-hmm. And um, I felt like that with a lot of my friendships as well. For a long time, I was always the person that people wanted to like. As you, when I was younger, people would call me the preacher. When I was like in high school, like there you go preaching again. Like all my friends used to say that. There you go preach because I was a straight A student. I was still selling drugs, being crazy, doing drugs out in the streets. But I was still a straight A student. I was always a B student. Always my grades were good. I graduated with honors. Like that's how like good I did in high school. But I knew because it was a prerequisite of life. Like, let me just get this part of life over with. And then mm-hmm. I can move on. It mm-hmm. wasn't so much like, I hated school. I'm a rebel. Oh, I hate my teachers. No, I just knew that I had to get that shit done to move on to the next level, like a fucking game. And and I would always preach that to my friends. Like, just get it over with. It's not that hard. Like, you're going to regret this shit for the rest of your life. This is the only opportunity we have. My mom used to always put that in my head. Like, this is it. After high school, like, you're on your own. You start dictating who you are. You're an adult. You're like your whole life in this little circle is about to be end. So I always knew like I would be the one encouraging people to do stuff like let's go here. Oh, there you go preaching again. Oh, there you fucking go again. There you fucking go. And I should you now those same people are tripping the fuck out on me right now. Mm-hmm. And who are the ones hitting me up? Like, I'm so proud of you. I can't believe it. Like, I wish I would have listened to you. Like, I wish this, I wish that. And then I realized like, a lot of those folks don't even fit in my life anymore. And I try bringing them around and they just don't fit. So I stopped giving so much because I didn't feel like there was any return anymore. And it was a sad thing to admit for a while because I started noticing that my new friends were like, why do you even kick it with him? That fool be tripping or that fool's crazy or that fool doesn't know how to be sober. Why, why are you still hanging out with him? And then I would start thinking like, Oh, because I love them. But the truth is, like, it wasn't doing shit for me. Mm-hmm. It was just kept putting me back into that place I used to be. 
and then I, and then that's when like we we self-realize like that's not our life anymore mm-hmm. and it's okay and it's okay to say fuck that's not who I am anymore and that doesn't fit me anymore and I shouldn't be there mm-hmm. you know? so I've, I've gently acknowledged that and been gentle with myself about it and being realistic you know so now I pick and choose when I do have extra time like is it beneficial not only like Am I trying to stay in touch with my friends and family? But like, what are we going to talk about when we hang out? Like, what are we going to do when we are chilling? Even if we're getting faded, you'll, you'll laugh. When, when me and my friends are drunk as fuck, it turns <laughs> into a business meeting. Everybody's I love like, that. It's bad. It's bad. Like, <laughs> so talk friends- about ideas and dreams and goals. And yeah. I love that. And and like, you know, I, I've done drugs with some of my friends and even they're like, they, they say it out loud, like, chill, why is it that every time I'm getting fucked up with you, <laughs> like, <laughs> you end up making a half website for me, like half-ass website. <laughs> but this is your shop. You're going to start selling shit tomorrow. <laughs> like, right? you know, like, how the fuck did I just end up walking away spending, like, this much money on a domain? Like, <laughs> film me. How the fuck did I just buy cryptocurrency right now when you've been talking about crypto for the past fucking hour? Like, and that's the kind of like, like conversations that I like having, you know, like I can't see myself sitting there talking about who got shot up in the hood today, who's beefing with who, like, who do we have to run up on, who overdosed, like, who fucking like isn't still in jail, who like, it literally gives me anxiety hearing all this shit. Mm-hmm. You know, my, my cousin right now is in prison for life. You know, uh, he just got sentenced and then my other cousin just got out of jail. And my other homie just got killed. Like, this is real shit. Like, one of my other friends committed suicide not too long ago, too. Like, like this is literally news I get every day from them. And every time I hang out, hang out with them, I'm just, like, dry, drained emotionally. Where I'm like, fuck. I can't even intake this information anymore and get it. Like, I don't get anything out of it. Mm-hmm. I'm just sad as fuck all day. Mm-hmm. And then I feel survivor's guilt. And then I feel like I shouldn't even, like, why me? Like, why am I succeeding? Why are they in jail? We're all in the same room at one point. How the Mm -hmm. fuck did that happen? You know? Mm -hmm. So then it it just creates this, like, weird gap where I'm like, it's almost like Shutter Island. Like, should I go back and help them and save them, be Captain save a hole And like, you know, which I do. (laughs) I I feel like I do have that that strength in me. And I do want to, like, completely eventually when I'm rich enough, go back to the hood and give back, but to the youth, but those that were left behind and who are like already completely doing their other things, I can't save you anymore. Mm-hmm. The thing I could save is the young ones who could, I could have saved even back then when I thought I was saving, you know, like that's what my importance is now. Like, so I'm, and I would find myself doing that. So every time they would get out of jail, I'll house them. I'll bring them to my house and have them somewhere to sleep. Or like, you know, shit like that. And then I just realized like I was getting so drained and I wasn't getting anything out of it. So I've slowly started kind of self-acknowledging like the people who do surround me are defining me and I can't be around that anymore. Mm-hmm. It's not my life anymore. And it's okay. Yeah. I'm still, I'm still tired. I'm still <laughs> to the death of me. <laughs> to the death of me. HLP, what's up? Highland Park. <laughs> I always... Uh- you know, so it's 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 crazy. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Outgrowing outgrowing people is a real thing. And you know, it's 
it's important to like really know that we're worthy of mutually beneficial relationships. And I think that that's something that a lot of people are waking up to um, is like, you know, I'm worthy of, you know, having relationships, people around me that are able to, you know, be of, you know, service to me the way that I am of service to me, to, to them, you know, like we're, it's like this equal exchange of like give and take, because then if not, you're creating, you know, out of balance in your life. And I feel like too, when you come from like places and situations, environments where like, where you come from, and I can relate to this too, like coming from the border and like just border town life being a whole other world. Um, I feel like also, I mean, I'm, I, I feel like you're someone who's like very loyal and I feel like there's also that like guilt of like, you know, being loyal to these people and, you know, feeling like you need to stay there, or be around them or, you know, because you're loyal to them, but it's like the biggest loyalty you should have is the loyalty to yourself. You know, and it's like, you know, you gotta, you gotta do what's best for you. And I'm, I'm glad that you brought up the whole survivor, survivors, survivors guilt thing too, because that's a very real thing. And that circles back to my question of like how you're adjusting to success, because I feel like that also reflects into that of like, you know, you getting out of the hood and getting out of these situations and no longer being surrounded by these people. Mm -hmm it's an adjustment. And to bring all of this full circle, the last thing that I wanted to bring up is, um, you know, when I had asked you about adjusting to success and you telling me that, like, I forgot that you did have like a super successful IT job and you were, you already have touched a lot of money and you have gone through these highs and lows. And ultimately all of that has contributed to, allowing you to like fully receive the success that you have now you know like everything really does happen for a reason i know it's so wild who would have known mm-hmm. you know and then when i did lose it all you know when i left my it job i was so miserable and like how the fuck i'm like nah i know myself i'll get back up like i don't care how long it takes and then that's that's the that's the truth of acknowledging that it's going to take a long time Mm-hmm. And my friend Reverie used to always shout out to Reverie. I love her to death. She would always tell me, it took me 10 years to get here. Like, it took me 10 years of not stopping. And you can tell when people stop. She's like, keep going. Every time I felt like giving up and going back to working in an IT job, they would all constantly remind me, like, you can do it. Don't like go, keep going, keep going, keep going. And I just kind of held my guns and I said, you know, at first I admit it, I did it for them you know, to prove to them that I ain't no bitch. <laughs> I'm gonna show you, fuck you guys. You know, like it was, it was that kind of feeling like I can't handle this. But then after I, I realized like I was starting to like the grind, I started getting addicted to wanting more. And um, I, I like the adrenaline, you know, I like the last minute figuring it out. I like the troubleshooting. I like the the falling and making it better the next round. And like, I started getting addicted to that, obsessed over creating images in my head and making them come to life. And I feel like I uh, implemented that in my reality, not just mm-hmm. my work, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that's that's where I'm going right now. And I, and I always try to be around my friends and share everything that I know and that I've learned. 
um, throughout my life and my journey for that same reason, because I feel like I've gone through enough to be able to share shit, even shit that I still struggle with now, because there's so much that's gone unsaid and no one really talks about anymore or feels weak to share because of judgment or self, you know, diminishing, you know, who you think you are. And you're like, eh, you know, when I'm like extremely open, I talk about shit that I shouldn't, people don't really talk about, you know, I don't even go on Instagram and say shit like this sometimes because <laughs> just see the DMs I get, people get upset, you know, but I'm like, you know, whatever. But I, I still find like, uh, you can say a channel where I'm able to do that with my friends. Mm-hmm. And always check them and take and help hold them accountable and being like, hey, I don't think that's a good idea. And what the fuck are you doing? And like doing vice versa um, and acknowledging others when they're in pain, you know, and I feel like not nah, a lot of people do that because they're scared of losing a friendship or they're scared of like putting somebody down or whatnot. But in reality, that's what we need. We need somebody to hold us accountable sometimes and have those people who are genuine enough to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. man I I could talk to you all day dude <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like there's so much too you know because there's also like the heartbreak that you know so many of us have experienced the past couple of years too I know that that's something that you experienced um but this really was a really beautiful conversation on like how I mentioned like just not giving up and you're someone that you know it's very transparent like believes in themselves and I just like I I I like to do this normally in the beginning of the conversation but I just want to like express my gratitude to you because like you are such like a real person and something that like I love about you is like you have been through so much shit but instead of having all of that stuff that you've been through that could have like brought you down instead you 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 like transmuted that into making it empower you and not only that but you use all of your life experiences to like help others and you're passionate about like understanding others and making others like feel seen and you like try to figure out ways to like put that in your work and bring bring other people up so it's like I don't know you're just like a super beautiful person and I love you I'm super proud of you like I'm super proud of you dude like all the success that you're experiencing now and that you will experience in the future like you deserve it and I hope that you really like hold space for yourself to like sit and like enjoy it and like I'm gonna do that for you today (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna do that for you for sure yeah so thank you so much dude you're welcome and thank you so much for having me I know it had been a while since me and you had like a crazy combo Mm -hmm. you were one of the real ones who believed in me back then you know (laughs) Your, your writing really helped me and all my shit so I appreciate you and it's been a journey since so and it's so cool to see you out here now in LA doing your thing you got podcast shit going you got <laughs> pop it I remember you were so nervous and look at you you're kidding it dude. thanks dude that's true we had we had we had connected before I even was living out here yeah man more to come dude I know can't wait